if you're 18 to about 25, you're probably looking for a nice guy who you can grow with, who you can plan a future with. And you may not be looking for someone permanent right off the bat because you just got into adulthood. And so you want someone that you could actually grow with, take your time with. You're not looking to have a baby with them. Be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Okay, ladies, you're looking for financial stability in a relationship. You're looking for a man who loves you. You're looking for someone you can love. You're looking for someone that will listen to you, who can communicate with you effectively, who's considerate of you in their communication. Someone that you can have a future with Now, the main thing you have to look at is where are you right now in life? Now, this is a challenge for some of you ladies, and here's why. If you're younger, if you're 18 to about 25, you're probably looking for a nice guy who you can grow with, who you can plan a future with. And you may not be looking for someone permanent right off the bat because you just got into adulthood. And so you want someone that you could actually grow with, take your time with. You're not looking to have a baby with them. You're not looking for marriage. You're looking for someone to enjoy, someone you can trust, someone you can build with. Now, in this process, you may want to take advantage of the opportunity that's associated with your youth, your beauty, and the attractiveness that you have to many men. So some of you may want to exploit the fact that you can get the attention from men. There's nothing wrong with that in that age range. You're going to flirt. You're going to have to make some tough choices at this age. And the reason being is that between 18 and 25, this is where most adults, young adults, make their first mistake as adults. Now, what are some of these mistakes? One is getting pregnant when you're not ready. The other is not making a decision about your career or your future plans in life. Getting involved in a relationship too soon that gets too serious when you're not ready for it. That may lead you on a path where you had not planned on going. Being exposed to something that jeopardizes your freedom. 
the bad boy who may be so bad that he may wind up getting you locked up. So you have a lot of things you have to avoid. Being heartbroken at an early age and allowing that to dictate your future as far as your love and your romance. So you have a lot of choices to make. Now, let's look at you ladies from 26 to 35. What are the challenges that you have? You're looking for a situation more than likely to find a guy who's stable, who will be a good provider, who will be a team player, who will have all the attributes I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast. You're looking for someone you can grow with, acquire assets with, build with, maybe look at having a family with. Because usually in this age range from 26 to 35, you're probably considering having children. You've kind of got your career started. You more than likely have finished your your education. And you're looking for someone that's a good man. Now, let's look at the things that would impact these two age demographics when it comes down to dating. The tendency of using your beauty, your attractiveness, your womanly wiles in order to take a shortcut to that man. In other words, you go and you set up these standards that he has to make so much money, he has to do so many things on a home and all the rest. Now, let's look at your vantage point. Take for instance, you don't have any kids. You worked a career, you went and got your education, and you're 26. You're in a position at that point to possibly look at a man who is very successful. Now, within that same time frame, let's take a look at those of you who may not have made the best decision or choices when it came down to choosing a man and you had a child or two with a guy hoping things would get better. And now you're 26 with two children. You didn't get a chance to really complete your education. You have a job that's not really a career. And you still want that same standard of a man at 100,000 a year. And that man has a choice to make. Would he choose you at 26 with two children who have made two poor decisions, not the children, but the relationships that you've chose? And in turn, you have put your education and career on hiatus in order to pursue a better situation for you and your children through a man. Or would you rather be the other lady who's gone to school, avoided having children, got her career together, and now she's looking for a man that has six figures. That's where you have to look at 
if you have that kind of mindset. Those are the considerations that you have. See, it's not you as the woman, but it comes down to the behavior, the decision making that you've made, the decisions you've chosen on the path you're going, and also the situation associated with you. The one woman without the children, with the education, with the career, is more of a viable candidate than a woman without the education, career, and the kids. And who has the kids? Now, the problem is, both women may think that they're of the same value to a man. But in reality, it's not. One woman, the one with the children, is probably saying, well, you know, you shouldn't just judge me on my kids. In other words, he expects him to make an exception for her to be in competition with the woman who has no kids in their same age going forward. The woman who doesn't have any kids is saying, well, hey, I'm ready, I'm game, I've invested in myself. I think I would be the better choice. And of course she would for most men. He doesn't have to have an exception for her. He would have to have an exception for the other woman. And this is why a lot of you ladies may find it difficult when it comes down to try to equate yourself with a woman who's more conducive to what he would want than yourself. Now, let's say you're not looking for the $100,000 man or the quote-unquote high-value man, whatever the hell that means. Let's say you're dealing with a good man. Now, your interpretation of a good man may differ. A good man to a woman that has no children would be a man who's invested like she's invested in herself, who's ready to now take on the world. He doesn't have any children. He's got a career. He has his resources put away. He can pay his own bills. So can the woman who has no children. And so there's a good possibility they're going to have a pretty good start at life. Then what it will come down to, behavioral, considerations and the situations associated with both of them and more than likely it won't be a situation associated with them directly it'll be an extended situation that they may be dealing with family problems those kind of things or it could be mental health it could be health medical something of that sort but the fundamentals are they have a cleaner slate to start with. And of course you got the X factor and that can come in in any relationship, good, bad, or indifferent. Now let's look at the woman who has children. And she comes in, <coughs> she's had a tougher road. He's looking at the fact that he could pay his bills and she may be in a situation where she may have to have public assistance, EBT, WIC, you name it. But she still thinks that she's a viable candidate. 
And what he's looking at is, I can pay my bills, but she can't pay hers quite. Would I take this on as a liability? Now, there's some women out there who can pay their own bills with their children. And this is a choice that the man would have to make, whether or not he can take on that risk and that responsibility. But he can't just look at it from that standpoint, just because she can pay her bills. Let's look at the situational situation that he would have to deal with. What's the status of her relationship with the exes, with the children's father? How much of the liability with those children would he have to assume? Are those kids dealing with special needs? So what you have here, you also would have to deal with the behavioral considerations, which means that, unlike the woman without any children, he doesn't have to comport himself based on children. Instead, he would have to just comport himself based on dealing with his partner. With the woman with children, he has to comport himself not only to deal with her, but also to deal with the children and probably extended families such as the baby's fathers. So he had to conduct himself differently. It could very well be where if he's a smoker, he can't smoke around the kids. So it limits him as far as his scope. The other thing he has to realize is that he would have to give up some of the autonomy that he would have with the single woman with no kids in comparison to the woman who has children. They may be limited on vacations because it's going to take more money to take them out. He may have to look at the added expenses, the overhead. So this is the reason, my lady, your choices in this age group from when you're 18, really 17, up to about 25 are crucial because by the time you turn 26, you're going to be dealing with people, especially men, who have to have some factual considerations before he would choose you to go forward. Now, the problem with many men, unfortunately, in that same age group, they may not take getting married in relationships seriously. They're out enjoying the party life, trying to sleep with as many women as possible, that kind of thing. So they may not take it so seriously. It's just enjoying the life. However, at some point he's got to get serious. And if he becomes a single father between 18 to 25, or even a dad who's paying child support, but he's not with the woman, that restricts him as far as being a viable candidate for a woman that's maybe 26 looking for a man to start a relationship with because she's looking at him being a liability because a portion of his income is going out of the house to someone else. 
So you see how these choices will impact you going forward. Now, for some of you ladies, when you're 26 going into 35, and let's say we don't have the kids, you're looking for all these things, you're looking for a future, and you were at this point looking to have children for the first time with someone to start a family. Understandable. You want to make the best choice, you want to be engaged, and you have that window of opportunity with that individual from 26 to 35 where you could safely have a relationship, get engaged, get married, and have children and acquire a home within that time frame. Now, I know for some of you, this is an idealistic, pristine environment, and some of you are already going negative, talking about shit, and that's because many of you didn't consider this. That's the reason why it's happening. Now, let's take a look at those women with children in this same predicament. She would be looking at having another child. We'll use the example of the woman with two kids. She would be looking at probably having one more or two more children with this man. So, if they were to do this, he would be burdened down with four kids by the time he's 35. Which means that his income would be taken up considerably by those four children. Because even though the fathers of those children could be paying child support, he would still be financially responsible for them while they're in his care. So when he starts looking at it from that perspective, he's thinking, okay, let's see. Well, we'd have to have at least minimum four-bedroom house. That may cause problems. Because that would mean a higher mortgage. That would mean more money shelled out every month. Less disposable income. And that would limit him immensely. Even with the wife or girlfriend bringing in the money. So, with the example of the woman who doesn't have any kids and who goes on, they have their first child, they can invest more money. Not only they can save money on the residence by getting a three-bedroom house or even a two, they would still have more disposable income available that they could put away for the child's college fund. They could put more money into insurance. They could put more money into savings. So they have more options financially. And at this point, ladies, from 26 to 35, you're looking for a very practical man who is serious about his future. Now, let's go from 35 up to 40. Some of you at this age have either gone through relationships been through a marriage, you're divorced, some of you probably have children from that marriage or that relationship, and now you're looking for more of a stable relationship. You don't really have any plans to have another child, but 
in the event he wants one, you probably can think about having another one, but you really don't want to. By this time, if a man meets you, especially if you're in your, uh, if you're 40, you might have had your tubes tied, and you might have gone ahead and told him in the beginning, hey, you know what, um, I like you a lot, but I'm not having any more children. I'm done with that. Now, it depends on the woman and depends on where she is emotionally, career-wise, and a lot of other considerations. At this point, the situation associated with you is far more important to him. This is what he's looking at. Okay, you're divorced. Um, Are there any other things that's going on in your background that I need to know about? That's what he's looking for. So, that woman who had children before, who may not have found someone at 26, and she's now 40, and she has these children, she may have the same pressure feeling as though, hey, I might need to have a kid with this guy because he may want to leave his family name, etc., etc., and she wants to have another baby. Now, at this point, the two women are on par. The one woman who was 26, didn't have any children, wound up having kids with a guy. She went on and got married. Things didn't work out, and now she's 40 and divorced with kids. The other woman who had children and didn't find the right guy for whatever reason is now 40 and in the same situation. So, at this point, he would have to make a choice based on this. And at this point now, these women are at the same level. This is the reason why at 40, a lot of times men are stuck with this dilemma. Now, if he runs across a woman who doesn't have any kids at 40, and she's talking about having a child, he may be very reluctant to do so. Because at this point, he's probably looking at it from the standpoint there will probably be complications on the child's birth. And that could be problematic because they would have a special needs child. Because as she gets older, the odds don't go in his favor. So at this point, if he's not planning on having any kids, the 40-year-old woman that doesn't have any would probably wind up being a priority. But there are certain things he may have to deal with when dealing with her. He may have to deal with the fact that she didn't have any kids because she was heavily into her career. Or she became very centric in her thinking. She feels as though, for some reason, that um, my career comes first. I come first, my business come first, whatever. 
And so she's solely focused on that. So the relationship is more of an afterthought. And so this means that he would look more at her behavior as opposed to the situation associated with her. That'd be the focal point. Now, for the other two women who have children, it would be different. Because not only would he look at the behavior, he'd also look at the situation. The woman who was married one time that had two children by a guy may be a safer bet than the woman who has two children by two different guys in the sense that he doesn't have to deal with two baby daddies. Let's go on forward to 50 years of age. Now by this time those kids are pretty much adults. He runs across a 50 year old woman with no children. And again, he's dealing with behavioral issues. She's been a flirt for a long time. She's had all these men after her. And she's put herself on this pedestal because these men have. She's not interested in having any children. She probably can't have any. And she's content with that. And what he will realize is that many times her behavior still is reminiscent of the behavior she had when she was younger. Enjoying the fact that these men are chasing her. Enjoying the fact that she's still hot and still got it, so to speak. And therefore, she wants to do all these wonderful things. Her priorities are different. Her behavior is going to be different. The other two women will talk about the one that got married had the two children, the children are grown now. So now she's on par with the woman who had no children at 50. The other woman who had children from two different guys earned her life is now on par with all the women. So now he has to make a choice. This puts him in the best position. More than likely, what is he going to do? Believe it or not, he's going to probably either choose the woman who has had kids by the other two men or he may choose the woman who had children by the one husband. Now, the reason being, the 50-year-old lady who didn't have any, she may still be caught into that mindset of, hey, I'm still looking for Mr. Wright. He's not wasting his time with her because she still thinks that she has the same viability as she did when she was in her teens. She's probably dated younger men along the way. So, She's still using her physical attributes to help her out. The woman who had the one husband is more than likely looking for a solid one-on-one relationship. And she's going to give her all 
in that sense. So will the woman who had the two children but didn't find a man along the way. Now the difference is, is that woman who didn't have the husband but had the two kids, she's going to be in a mindset of proving herself to this man. Because this will be her first attempt at getting married, her first attempt at landing a man, and her first attempt at keeping him. And she's going to go all out to do so. Now, the advantage over this other two women that she has is the fact that she still has to prove herself in a way that sets her apart from everyone else, especially the other two. So that love, that obligation, that commitment, everything that she wanted to give those two men earlier in her life that she never received back is what she's planning on doing with this guy. And her focal point is to more than likely get married. Throughout the other earlier years, she probably didn't want to. She just wanted to have a boyfriend, sleep around with this guy or that guy. But now she's taking herself seriously. She's getting older. And now she can live for herself. She's tired of living for the kids. They're grown. And she's ready to do something for her. And she would probably be more committed to comport herself to whatever situation to be with this man. To make amends for the past. The woman who had been married before may kind of have her own structured rules based on being married before. You may be a little bit more rigid. She may want to correct some problems that was wrong in her marriage. She's going to hold him to a higher standard. And there's a likelihood that she's going to bring in some of the things that worked for her in her marriage to the relationship with this new man at 50. So, what would he be dealing with? With the formerly married woman, he'll be dealing with more of a rigid structure in the relationship. With the single woman who had no kids, he'll be dealing with someone that has the potential of leaving him, and he may not feel so secure with her. The other woman that had the children will exude security. In other words, she will be the one that will say, I will never leave you. You don't have to worry about this. So, what does he have, basically? He has more of a committed and restrictive relationship if he was to go with the woman who was married. The second woman would be rather nebulous. The third woman would be more determined and a little bit more liberal when it comes down to, or flexible, I should say, when it comes down to establishing the relationship. This is the reason why, in the long term, the woman who had 
kids out of wedlock may win the race in the later stages of her life with men. The woman who didn't have any kids and went through without them, went through without really making a commitment in a relationship, there's a likelihood that she's going to drink the Kool-Aid that those men have been feeding her all the way through her life. And she feels as though she can be in this relationship, but it's not something where she doesn't have her options still. So the man won't feel so secure with her. And now, you got to remember now, what's the basis that men look for? Integrity and trust. The woman who was married before, there's a good possibility she's going to sink in her claws. Because for whatever reason, their marriage failed. She's going to be paranoid about that happening again. And so she's going to put her claws into that man to make sure that it doesn't happen again, whether it was infidelity or whatever. Which means that she may have trust issues with him. So, (coughs) the most obvious one that we would think would be the failure. The woman who had kids at an early age may be the best option for a guy in his 50s. Doesn't always have to be the case, but this is a good measure in order to look at things. See, the problem with the party girl, she starts out at 17, 18, she's going out, she's partying with these guys, These guys are putting her on a pedestal. She has men at her disposal. She loves it. 25, she has a job, that kind of thing, but she really likes the fact that she's got all this attention from men. Then she goes into her 30s. Now, by the time she's in her 30s, she's looking at her girlfriend settled down. She's looking at them getting fat. She's looking at them having kids, having all kind of marital problems. She's not interested. She's got a few girlfriends that have gone on the wayside, had kids out of wedlock, and they're struggling, and they're trying to hunt down a father for child support, and she's above the fray. And she moves on. Gets into her 50s, she still has it going on. Now, what happens? She gets into her 60s. Fewer men are attracted to her. Now she realizes, instead of them pursuing her, she's got to pursue men. And what kind of men is she pursuing? Younger men. Now, why is she doing this? She's doing this because she still wants that adoration and attention. And she's not quite getting it from men in her age group now. So she goes down line and hopes for the best. Her biggest fear is becoming a lonely cat lady in a senior citizen's community, like the villages in Florida somewhere. The other two women get into their 60s. Now, the one that had the kids previously, she may wind up in a solid relationship and may be experiencing 
happiness for the first time with a guy. A full-fledged relationship. She's married. She feels validated. She feels as though she's been vindicated for the choices she made earlier in life. And therefore, when it comes to the grandkids, she loves the grandkids. She'll see them. But guess what? They don't have priority over her marriage. Because she feels as though, hey, I struggled. I went through all of this with them. And now it's my time. I will choose when I see my grandkids. And that's it. So she's traveling with him. And what she's doing at 60 is living the life that she would have years prior had she married. But now she's retired, damn near. She might not have acquired that many assets, but she has a sense of self and a sense of peace. The woman who was married, who had her two children, and she's with her man. She's making time for her grandkids. Grandkids have priority over everything. So it becomes more of a family-oriented thing where she has more control. And the man realizes that he'll fit in wherever she has time for him. Now, what has happened in each one of these situations, men have shaped the way they approach life. The woman who was married had a different approach from the one woman who was single and had no children. The woman who was single and had no children had a different approach than the woman who had children out of wedlock early on in life. Now, this is not to say that one woman is better than the other, by no stretch, but what it is to say is that based on this example, your level of exposure will dictate your behavior, your self-perception, and the way you go forward in future relationships. And remember, your behavior in this situation are the two determinants. So, what this means, ladies, some of you can assess where you are on that scale of progression. Some of you may not can even relate to this because you may be in solid relationships and never had that problem. But others of you may find yourself in one of these three categories. More in a moment. one thing that you may want to look at, ladies, when it comes down to talking about a good man. Now, that's an ambiguous term. It can mean different things to different women. To some women, it means that he can provide financial stability and security. To others, it may mean that he could just be someone that has a good heart, who's generous, who's open-minded. 
others. It could mean someone who takes charge and takes control and makes you feel comfortable. However, in any case, a good man makes you feel good. Now, what you have to determine is is it about how he makes you feel? Or is it about what feels good to you when you're associated with it? There's a difference. Some of you may say, I got the package of the man I wanted. And it feels good being around him, being at his side. But now I don't really like some of the characteristics associated with him. I don't really love him. But I love what he's exposed me to. I love what he's about. And for some of you ladies, that's sufficient enough. And you're willing to limp through a relationship and possibly a marriage with this person. Others of you will say, no, he has to hit all of these talking points that I have for him. And if he doesn't, he's less than a man. And I can't see myself with him. And so by having these points that this man would have to measure up to, you you bypass thousands of men in pursuit of that perfect one. Others of you will have your standards as to say, as long as he treats me well, and as long as he can take care of me, I'm okay. Again, the definition is ambiguous. Let me give you some fundamentals that many of you ladies may want to look for, especially you ladies that never had a man in the house, and it's just been you and your mother, maybe your brother and sister. I always tell you the definition of a man is a man is defined by the decisions he makes in life in consideration of himself and others. Now, what does this mean? How wise are his choices in life? And at what point in life did he make those bad decisions? If he made a poor decision between the ages of 17 to 25, that's normal. Maybe got with the wrong crowd, did something stupid. That's acceptable. Now, if he did that same thing at 26 to 35, you may want to scratch your head a minute and see whether or not it's worth the risk. Because, see, here's the thing. During 26 to 35, if he made a mistake... I mean, I mean, 26 to 30, yes, 26 to 35. If you made a, state, a mistake from 17 to 25, he's usually trying to correct that mistake. And if you ladies do it, you have a child out of wedlock or something of that sort, but then that time frame, in that second stage of your life, what you're trying to do is to normalize things where you can go forward. The problem is when you get to that second stage in adult life, 
but you're having still children out of wedlock between 26 to 35. There's a problem. When that man is still getting locked up from 26 to 35, oh, he has a problem too. When he's taking non-essential risk, he's facing a problem. Let's go up the scale a bit. 36 to 45. If he has not redeemed himself by this time and he's still going into his old ways, he's at a point now where he's probably looking for someone to help him, to give him a place to stay, to give him a new start in life. Because he has thrown away so many years in prison, doing different things that he shouldn't be doing, that he's finally matured at that level. Now, in that same vein, a woman, 36 to 45, she's having kids, still producing children. She's at that same point in her life. It's not a good thing. Because at this point, she hasn't learned her lesson. Just like the man hasn't learned his lesson. And at this point, and believe it or not, a lot of these people that suffered the same fate wind up being together as couples. And that's a cocktail for disaster. Because what you have is two people who didn't learn anything in their evolution that are together. And they have a trail of irresponsibility and not being accountable for their actions. And it's now put them at a point where they're at a disadvantage for each other to be with and not realize it. Misery loves company and there's much misery with plenty of company. Now, let's look at this from a positive side. Let's say during this time, same time frame, this guy's improving himself as he goes along. He has some financial setbacks and he can only do what systemic ripples in the economy does. So maybe he was doing well in his 20s, going into his 30s. Now he's in his 40s. He had a financial setback. So did everybody. Well, that woman that's in that same peer group probably experienced that as well. So they have a nexus where they could actually relate to each other. And then they have something where they could build from to go forward as a couple. 
They both experienced some financial hardship, some financial turbulence. Maybe one experienced a little bit more than the other. But the integrity of the individual comes to the forefront. And that's what actually is the thing that attracts the both of them to each other. And they say, well, you know, you had a setback, I had a setback. I'm not going to ask that you make a million dollars and pull me out of the hole. And by the same token, you're not asking me for a million dollars to pull you out of the hole. But we could work together in tandem and we can get out of this hole together. And this is what a lot of people in their 40s and 50s, especially now, are looking at. With the advent of COVID, times are really hard for a lot of people. And what these folks are realizing, hey, I got to look for more substance than anything else and not survival. See, to give you a parallel, here in Vegas, a lot of the women in their 20s and 30s they're looking for a come up. Somebody to kind of help lift them out of a situation. Both men and women. But what they're not looking for is someone that will work with them and work in tandem to get out of that situation they're in. And a lot of it comes with maturity. And when they realize that both concerted efforts to accomplish the same goal as a team works better than trying to have one do the pulling and the other one doing the reaching. By the time you're 40 years of age, it's not so much about the financial side of things or the cosmetic side of things for you ladies, the financial side of things for you men. What it comes down to is the character that you've built at that age, the accountability, the responsibility, the integrity that you have at that age. That's what both of you need to be looking for from that point beyond. Financially, you can lose that shit at any time. If our economy takes a dump again, the only thing you have is your character. The only thing you have is that person that you are. And that's what you'll have to build with. Many couples that are listening to this podcast right now have gone through some financial, some horrific financial situations. Some of them are still going through them right now. But guess what they both decided to do? stay together and stick it out not run for the hills not try to find someone who's doing a better financial situation than they are they stick it out sometimes in extreme measures I tell you all the time about the lady who wrote me when she and her husband were losing their home back in 2008 and she volunteered to go out and get a second job. The husband flatly refused because he was committed to the fact that, hey, I took you out of your house by telling your parents 
that I am willing to take on the responsibility of taking care of you. Well, she respected him for that traditional sense of manhood. But what it came down to was that they were losing things very rapidly. And she was willing to adjust, telling him, hey, we need to cut back on this, we need to cut back on that, we need to reduce our lifestyle. He wasn't hearing it. Because he was stuck with a commitment. He was stuck with a promise that he made to her parents to do the right thing, to do the best thing. He was too proud to go and ask his parents for money. And they were well off. But he was sinking because he wanted to prove a point. His wife wrote me because she had done something in 2008 that she regrets, but she did it to save the marriage and to save her husband. She slept with this man's father for him to bail them out. The husband had no knowledge of this happening. It was very difficult for her to do. But she did it. The father bailed him out she felt like shit after doing it but she loved her husband so much she was willing to do that she knew that her father and mother went to sleep with her for years and after it was done she wrestled with the fact of telling him at some point and she wrote me trying to figure out a way to tell him what she did because he was still asking questions about how those bills were paid off, how the house was saved. And he felt less than a man. And she lied to him and told him that she got a loan, paid it off. And he wanted to help her make the payments back on the loan and she told him not to worry about it. And of course that didn't sit well with him. He was trying to find out well, who gave you this loan? Where was it originated? And she didn't want to go into details. And she avoided the conversation for years. But it was eating her up inside. I told her that she would probably need to go and get into counseling for herself first and then with him so that the counselor could break the news to her, to him, about her. And he would probably hate his father for the rest of his life and hate her even more for what she did. But her marriage, her husband, meant so much to her that she was willing to make this sacrifice. Now, a lot of women listening to this would say, hell no, I wouldn't have done it. 
And I told her, you did something that 99% of women probably would not have done. But she wanted to help. I felt as though she was a burden in a marriage for not helping in some kind of capacity because he wouldn't let her help him. It's a trying thing. Not too many women would have gone to that extreme. A lot of women would have probably left. Others would have had to figure out a way. But he was headstrong and determined that he was going to do this. Now, part of it, I'm sure, was based on the fact that he wanted to prove to his family they could do something independently, independent of their wealth. But he had put himself in too deep, purchased too many homes, expanded their financial empire too far, expanded his business too rapidly, where the overhead was insurmountable. put himself in that situation. I told her what her options were. Either go to counseling and talk to the counselor and have him tell her or her tell her or to never answer the question. And let him just concern himself about resolving the issue to be one of those secrets that you die with. As couples, you will always have secrets because you base it on a need-to-know basis on how it would impact your partner. There are some of you ladies that have had advances from men the very man that your husband may work with, may know, may deal with on a regular basis. And you have not told him because you knew that that would ruin a friendship. And you did it for that reason. You sacrificed by not saying anything and saying, hey, maybe tell the guy you need to stay in your lane. but you thought it was not worthy enough to tell your husband to create an escalation. And this is one thing that men have to understand and have to appreciate. Because a lot of times, it keeps us from going to jail and it keeps us from getting in trouble. And a lot of times, our women are the very things that protect us from doing something stupid. One moment, folks. Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Craig writes the following. I'm just curious. 
I've signed up with this dating site, and the majority of women that I receive correspondences from are out of the country. I live here in Virginia, and the majority of the women are contacting me from Africa, Europe, some from Asia, a lot from Mexico, but very few from the United States. I sent the link. I want you to take a look and tell me what do you think. Am I doing something wrong with my profile? And I clicked on it earlier, and I'll click on it now. And Craig has here, easygoing entrepreneur, looking for a good woman in my life, tired of the humdrum, really want to settle down with a decent woman. So tired of the materialistic women, I'm done with the games, and I'm looking for someone serious. Craig, you didn't do nothing in you didn't do anything wrong in this profile. Um what I would have put in here more so than anything was more about me, less about what you didn't want. And the things that you want, you would always put it in what you're seeking in that section. What I see that you've done in the introduction, you put all of this in there. Now, if you were to put what you sought after a woman and what you were looking for, specifically in that, and maybe put down geographically, you wanted someone stateside, it would enhance the number of women that would probably be interested in contacting you. From what I see here, if a woman looked at this ad, she would think that, Ella, he's been hurt. I'm not dealing with him. When you put in the words games and stuff like that, whenever I hear or see an ad with the word games in it or honesty, those are like keywords for me. So like if I see a woman and she has an ad and it has honesty, it has anything in there about honesty, trust, or games, among other terms. That's a red flag for me. Here's why. When a woman puts in the word honesty in an ad, what I assume is that she's been dealing with someone that was dishonest. And with that, what does this mean for me? She more than likely is going to have trust issues. Instead of putting in what she's looking for in a person as far as to describe what she's looking for. See, to say like you want someone that's honest, that's ambiguous. People have different levels of honesty. Some people even have it so bastardized that their honesty is a lie. Because that's the way they warped it. Now, in this particular instance here, with you having games, the average woman's thinking, oh, well, that means he probably plays games if he recognizes games. Now, the one thing to consider is this. You have games in here. They're saying, oh, you've probably been hurt before. 
So you're going to put me through unnecessary scrutiny because of the mistake of other women. Now, geographically, you want to put that you only want to date domestic women. And I understand why on that category, because I will tell you, there are a lot of women overseas that want to be with an American man. What you'll find is that a lot of women in Europe, some in Asia, not so much concerned about coming to the U.S. because they have pretty good lives where they are. See, one rule of thumb I used to always stick with with women that were in other countries. I would only date women who did not want to leave their country. The reason being, there wasn't the incentive for them to want a relationship. A lot of them would have the incentive of wanting to come to the United States to get away from a bad economic situation where they were. Or they fall in love, get with the American, and have the good life, and then wire money back home, and then eventually petition for their relatives to come over. Or to flaunt when they go back home. They're doing better with the American in the United States, so when they come back home to visit, they could be the cat's meow. Not too many men are doing that for several reasons. One of them being the logistics, the cost. And you really don't know who you're getting. And not only that, you're going to be responsible for them when they get here. So you want somebody that's kind of already established. I had a girlfriend overseas, well, several times, but this particular time, she refused to come. She didn't even want to come visit me in the States. She hated the United States so much. Not for malicious reasons. She just didn't like the culture. She didn't like the way we were fragmented based on race. She just didn't like America. And I would travel over to see her, but hell, after a while, that became cost prohibitive. And when she did come over the two times, it was nothing but complaints. And I just got to the point where I said, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. At best, you're going to wind up being pen pals with many of these women. Now, if they live in Canada, Mexico, maybe the UK, or in Europe, you'll probably get a chance to have a shot at the relationship. It all depends on how easy it is to visit. If you happen to get into one of these relationships, give yourself no more than a year for the relationship to evolve where you guys are going to decide on what you're going to do, whether she's coming here or whether you're going there. Anything beyond that, you're going to be pen pals. The weight of the relationship is just going to be too expensive for you to maintain. Now, what a lot of these dating sites will do, they may not have that many choices in your area, and they'll start expanding out. I'm on OkCupid. A lot of times, I'll get people from Philippines, Thailand, South Korea, Canada, And then when the searches are really slim, get people from California, 
Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. And so what you have to do, you want to register with other sites. But here's the thing I will tell you. Only go on the trial basis or the free trial. Don't waste a year's membership or six months. Try it out first. See whether it's feasible. If it's not feasible, let it go. Don't even waste your time with it. You're also going to be contacted by people that may misrepresent themselves. Some trans women do this a lot. So you have to be careful. But for the most part, man, I would say you need to just um, hang in there. Maybe um, be more specific about your geographic area. And have it where you're not even looking at anyone outside of the country. Have your filters up. I use my filters on OkCupid and they don't work worth a damn. So, you know, it's up to you. Among Hinge and other dating sites, I remember Clover, um, what's the other one? Um, Bumble. So, I understand where you're coming from. It's crazy because... people have so many different agendas that it's very difficult to find someone that you really match up with. Some people are looking for perfection and you will run across this in space when it comes to dating. I have run across more women looking for men that made six figures than anything else. And what that tells me that's all they're looking for is the money. They don't care about the man. And it's amazing. And then you look at the profile, they have maybe one or two things written about themselves. Good heart. Loving a good man is what I see. Or something like that. Something real short. Doesn't really tell you anything about them. And so what does that mean for you? Not too much there. Just swipe left. I know I do it on a regular basis. Don't bother. But this is the way it goes. You know, one thing that I will tell you that will also happen. There's a good percentage of people who are in bad relationships, both men and women, that go on dating sites for relief. They're looking for that person that's going to take them out of that hellish relationship they're in. And they're looking a lot of times for that guy that's going to roll out the red carpet and say, you can leave your house and enter mine and we can go on and you can go and sever that relationship with that person. This is the reason why I tell you guys, when you see it's complicated they're probably still cohabitating with someone. When they're looking for a hookup, they already have someone. Rarely is it the case that they don't. Now, you have some 
that have had uh, a bad relationship that they're kind of recuperating from and they'll fall into that category. Trust and believe. A lot of them, they have residual anger. They just want to have sex. They have no intentions of being with you permanently. They don't like you like that. They don't want anything like that because that involves responsibility, something that they don't want to have. They just want to go get that need met and they go on. You know, these are the people that should be on Tinder as opposed to a dating site that are looking for a relationship. I don't even know why many of these sites have that category if they're looking to establish more of a long-term relationship. But some of them do that just so they can have the numbers. And let me tell you something about dating sites. The numbers mean absolutely nothing. The reason being, many of those same people go on multiple sites. And so those people are being recounted again. So like if you see one site that has 42 million, you see the other one that's 30. You may want to go and look and say, let me just do a search of my local area. Nine times out of 10, you'll see the same people on OkCupid, on Hinge, on Plenty of Fish. They throw that gill net out. Looking for the guy. Men and women do it. Men and women lie about their status, that they're single. Some will actually say that they're married. And then, like I said before, you always have that contingent of singles that go on to places like uh, Ashley Madison looking for a married man or a married woman for the specific purpose of being with someone who can pretty much give them the feel of being with someone that's successful or that's wealthy or that has resources. A lot of people do that when they're frustrated. Let me go on here. All right. Hi, Jocelyn. My name is Candace. I've listened to your profile for many months. Learned a lot. You've opened my eyes to a lot of things, and I realized why many of my relationships in the past have failed. You're right about Aries women at times. We make snap judgments, snap decisions, and we go for it and we get pissed off when we don't get the results we expect. I'm the first to tell you I am very impatient and I know this is the reason why many of my relationships failed. I would appreciate you talking about a way in which we could slow ourselves down to make more rational decisions. I don't know what it is, but sometimes that impatience just eats me up and before I know it, I'm in a bad relationship or a bad situation. Could you please elaborate on this particular subject matter? Candace, Newport News, Virginia. Yes, um, look. What happens is, basically this Candace is not rocket science or anything. What happens, and it 
really doesn't have to do with Aries, even though you see, in my experience, for instance, the reason why I talked about this was I experienced that more with Aries than any other zodiac sign. Could be coincidence, could be factual, who knows? I'm not one to, you know, live and die by the zodiac. But one thing I will tell you is this. Sometimes you want things to work like clockwork because that's the way we're trained. We're conditioned that way. We go to a job, we're concerned about what time we get off, what time we start, what time is the break. And we want everything to be precise, just like that. We want people's behavior to become precise, like clockwork. Our expectations want to be met immediately. Men and women have this problem. Sometimes you gotta pull back and start individualizing your effort with people. It would be nice if everybody had the same way of behavior and the same way of acceptance. But we don't. We're all diverse. Some people are slower than others. A lady wrote me a while back. She had been dating this guy for four months. He'd never once advanced to kiss her or to have sex with her. And she was frustrated. She had given this guy hints. She had put his hands in private places in order to get him aroused. And he fell dead on it. And the reason why is because from his upbringing, he's only supposed to be with a woman after he's married her. She didn't notice going in. They were all fun and friends at first. And this is the way she liked it in the beginning. And then she really started liking the guy because he respected her so much. Only to realize he was very rigid when it came down to intimacy. And that's what actually broke them up. She's wondering whether or not she needed to go back and give him a second chance. And I asked her one fundamental question. What has changed besides time? Time doesn't change people. People have to change within that time. See, we always say time is a healer. No, time's going to pass whether you are in a bad relationship or not. It's what happens within a time frame. What you're dealing with here is a situation where you're going to have to really assess what's important to you. And you're going to have to take time and nurture the relationship and not expect it to be like fast food as we do in our culture with everything we think that things got to be done. We ordered it, damn it, where is it? You order something from Amazon, you're on the phone. If it's not there today, they say it's supposed to arrive. Well, people don't function that way. Machines do. And that's what we have to understand. You know, it used to crack me up when I worked uh, in technical support years ago. And um, people would call in. And they would say, well, why is this not working? Why don't you get up there and tell your boss to get things working and blah, blah, blah. And then you tell them, ma'am, sorry to disappoint you, but I'm over 
what's going here in IT. And I can tell you right now, your yelling is not going to control the system resetting. You may want to try back in an hour and then try to log in and see if you can get in. Well, why can't you just go to the computer and do I said, that's good from a layperson's perspective, but you're not here dealing with what we're dealing with. Oh, I want to speak to your supervisor. I'm going to get you fired. I'd be more than glad to. Doubt if you'll get me fired, but hang on. Supervisor come in. He said, well, he told you what he told you. That's all we can do. I want to speak to your supervisor. Sure. And, of course, it makes them feel more important as they climb up the ranks. And, of course, they get to a point where they talk to someone that brings them back to me. Frustrated. And this is what we deal with on a regular basis. It's not that that person's being an asshole on the other end of the phone. More often than not, you're being an asshole calling in to talk to that other person on the end of the phone. You don't think about it that way because we're angry and frustrated. And it's the same way you approach relationships sometimes. We get angry, frustrated. We can't find the person we want. And then we start treating everybody the same way. Swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. Sometimes you need to pull back and realize maybe you're the problem also. One moment. Let's talk about how some people perceive a potential relationship, especially when you're dating. There's some individuals that specifically look at dating someone new, like they're opening Christmas presents. And believe it or not, where they actually get stuck is they like opening packages. So, they will have multiple people that they will date in order to be surprised, wowed, and enamored. Because their job is, believe it or not, it's not to really get into a sustainable relationship. They like the thrill of being with someone new for the first time. Because to get caught in that loop and it's an exciting rush for them now after they've gone on the day with the person they don't want to have anything to do with them they go on to the next person it's like they're opening up new toys I met a lady on Plenty of Fish back in 2000 I think it was 2017 16 and she talked to me while we were on a date. We were sitting there eating sushi. And she said, um, 
Yeah, I really enjoyed where you took me. I really enjoyed this evening. And she says, well, you know, my next date's going to have to take me here or take me there. And I said, damn, that's kind of bold, your next date. Uh, and I said, is that with me? She says, oh, no, I got dates lined up for the next couple of months. What this lady does, she loves the thrill of dating. And so after I found out that I was not going to be her second date, and there was no, not going to be a second date, I started asking her, well, is there anything I did wrong? She said, oh, no, 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 no. She says, you know, I'm just out with the feelers, just seeing what I like. And so we got into a more deeper conversation about it. This woman had been dating for three years. And she goes out on dates with these guys. And she was explaining how she liked the drinks, she liked the partying, she likes the ambiance. In other words, she liked the show. And I asked her, I said, so are you looking for a relationship? She says, well, you know, on my ad I said that I did, but I'm not really looking for a relationship. I don't want to be tied down. I just want to have fun. Guys, remember what I told you about party girls? This is what I'm talking about. She told me about almost every date she had on Plenty of Fish. Just as confident, scarfing down that sushi, drinking the wine. And I said to myself, wow, whole different conversation on the phone compared to what it was when we were together. And she was telling me about this guy she dated. One guy had a Ferrari. The other guy knew Floyd Mayweather. The other guy was this. The other guy was that. And then I asked her, I said, so basically you're on a date almost every day of the week. She says, pretty much. She says, I, only don't, I don't date on Sundays. And this is when I first got an education about some women who don't even budget for groceries because... They're out. And she said, the only thing I do is just buy breakfast food. She said, because I have a date for lunch, I have a date for dinner almost every other day. She thought it was normal. Carrying on the conversation as if, hey, why don't you get it? And then I did get it. And I started to understand. I'm boo-boo the fool just like the rest of them. But she saw nothing wrong with it. So I asked her, I said, well, do these men get a chance to date you beyond the first date? She said, 90% of them don't. She says, because I have this thing in me where I always need to experience something different, something new. Now, the crazy thing about it we matched up on OkCupid okay where she signed up. And she's given me the spiel she gave me on Plenty of Fish back in 2016. Hey, how you doing? I'm up and going. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I said, you don't even remember who I am, do you? And she wrote and she says, not really. 
What freaked her out was when I called her. Same number she had back in 2016. And I told her, I said, hey, I see you on OkCupid. Oh, hey, how you doing? I said, yeah, you know, Johnson, the guy that you hit up on OkCupid. Oh, I remember you. And when she described me, it was totally not me or what we did. You took me to the steakhouse that night. I remember you. No, we had sushi. But I didn't correct her. I let her go on and talk. And by this time, I realized how scattered she was on everything. And she's like, well, you know, we definitely have to go and have dinner. And I said, yeah, you definitely do. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, (laughs) I see you haven't changed your ways. Oh, you're judging me. And of course, from then, she went on to try to qualify herself. Oh, I've changed a lot of things. I went to California for a year, and I didn't like it there. It was too expensive. And plus, the men, they, they were real cheap. They wouldn't spend money on a lady to go out on a date, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking. This woman's 58 years old. No kids. It's her prerogative. But remember, in one of the segments I talked about how some women stay at the party too long, She's the epitome of what I'm talking about. And she's like, yeah, I'm getting older now. I'm going to have to settle down. I'm going to have to find me a man that's really got himself together and got money. And he's going to have to take care of me. And I said, oh, really? She's like, yeah, at least I deserve that. Again, entitlement. So I invited her on the show, and she said she's going to think about it. And if she comes on, I'm just going to let her talk. And you'll see what I'm talking about firsthand. Because, see, her narcissism has eclipsed everything that's functional about her. And usually with a narcissistic person, they feel entitled. They feel as though they don't have to be accountable or answer to anything. That's the way some folks are. Now, do I condemn her for being who she is? No, I don't. But what I will tell you, and guys and ladies, if you're listening, this is somebody that men try to avoid. People with this kind of disposition. Because for fellas, this is why I tell you, when you're expensing a woman... This is the kind of lady you only spend 40 bucks on. You don't spend your hard-earned money on her. Because you'll get nowhere. I'm talking about the relationship. I'm not talking about anything that has to do with sex. Now, in that same vein, some of you ladies deal with guys who take you out, wine you, and dine you, and expect to screw you. Here's the thing I would tell you ladies. Right off the bat, get a clear understanding as to what's going to happen. Let him know what's not going to happen. Hey, I want to take you out to dinner tonight. Hey, you know, that's all well and good. We can go out and we can go and have a good time. 
Now we're still friends. We're starting out as friends. By letting him know this up front, what you're doing is you're setting expectations. Some of you ladies don't say anything and you're just happy that he's taking you out and you're dealing with the consequences thereafter. No. Establish what's going to happen up front. Let him know early in the conversation when you guys first start talking before you even talk about dating. Yeah, well, you know, when it comes down to intimacy, uh, that's way down the road. The guy who wants to sleep with you the quickest and the most, he's going to hang up and not call you again. He's going to be done. The guy who expects you to have the dignity and respect for yourself, he's going to stay on. Now, I've had women tell me that. Oh, sex, we're not going to do that until way down the road. And then the very same night on the first date, we're having sex. But here is the thing. As long as she established when she was going to have it by setting my expectations, what that meant was I'm subject to change my mind. Depending on how she feels as far as comfort, that kind of thing. Wasn't nothing where I pressured her. Now, we don't mind you ladies changing your mind in that sort of direction when you're comfortable. What we run into problems is when you make up your mind on something and you're adamant about it, then you change it. See, when something's tentative, and that's the key, to have something like that is tentative where you are letting him know "Ah, nothing's going to happen like that until it's on down the road or I will have to be comfortable first. What you're doing then, you're telling him it's going to be some time. Now that time is up to your discretion provided that you let him know that it was tentative and it was subject to change according to you. We could accept that for this type of endeavor. We can't accept it when it's something that's crucial in the relationship, such as getting a commitment from you to go forward. Well, we'll have to see when I'm comfortable. Now, here's the thing. If the guy has been dating you for about, we'll say, eight weeks, and he still hasn't got a commitment from you, and he's asking you for one. And you say, oh, we have to see where it goes. He's now thinking, okay, i got to declassify her. She's no longer a priority. Because what he will see then is that there's a good possibility. It's not going to work. See, the way these um, changes work, ladies... If you tell him something to set his expectations on a conditional basis, he can deal with that. But if nothing's said at all, 
that's when he's gonna try and he'll piss you off because it's like, damn, I can't believe he's gonna try to have sex with me the first night because he bought me dinner. But if it's a situation where, depending on the vibe and depending on how you feel, and you can reverse that decision, you won't get any disrespect from him. It only happens when we have to go out and do something that's going to really... How could I best say it? Um, Jeopardize things. I'll give an example. Yeah, I want to go to see the uh, art gallery this coming weekend. All right, so he goes buy tickets, gets everything established, and then the weekend comes. Hey, um, I'm going out with my girlfriends tonight, so um, maybe you could take those tickets and probably take a friend or something like that, or maybe we could go and do it later. Something like this is totally different. But now things that are pertaining to your body, your emotions, we can give you those changes. We can give you credit for that. When you establish to us that you have to be comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you let him know. But when it comes down to concrete plans that were made, and then at the last minute you say, I'm going with my girlfriends to San Diego. It's like, well, damn, we got tickets for this. Yeah, well, you know, uh, get a refund, get your money back, whatever. Don't put yourself in that predicament, ladies. Because once you've done that, on that level, you've lost all credibility with him. He's done with you. He's done with you. I had a lady one time that I dated who literally broke up with me on the fourth date. We had had sex. We had become real close, intimate, joking around, having fun. And on our fourth date, she says, I got to talk to you about something. I said, what's that? She says, well, there's this other guy that I've been chatting with on a dating site. And... I want to give him a try. I said, okay, so that means we'll stop operations then. She said, no, we'll just put ourselves on a hiatus. Well, she goes out with this guy. And I don't hear from her for about three or four weeks. Apparently things were going good, so I didn't put my life on hold. I moved on. She contacts me two months later. Hey, how's it going? You know, um, is it possible I could come over? She comes over. And we're talking, and she's telling me, well, you know, things didn't quite work out between the two of us. So I was just wondering whether or not we could rekindle what we started. And I said, not on your life. Well, I thought we were on a hiatus. I said, so a hiatus would be the equivalent of you being able to go out and come back anytime. Well, you know, it was just a temporary thing, and besides, our relationship is deeper than that. Now, I don't think that'd be a good idea. And I asked her, I said, what would have happened if I said, well, you know what, there's this lady I want to date, and 
I want to have a hiatus in the relationship. Initially, she said, oh, that'll be okay. I wouldn't be any problem. Then her next follow-up was, would you guys be having sex? I said, yeah, I'd be wearing that ass out. She said, oh, well, that would be unacceptable. I said, now, you mean to tell me you didn't have sex with that guy? First thing she says was, what kind of question is that to ask a lady? I said, well, you must have fucked him. She got up, pissed off, walked out. She tried to implement a double standard. It wasn't going to work. So I knew then, mm-mm. A year later, she had a kid with a random guy she had met online. Again, contacted me, asked me what was I doing. She had to get a babysitter, and she was like, well, we can get together. No, we can't. We're done. (laughs) Because the one thing that she never grew out of, and that was the thrill of meeting somebody new and going through that whole process again. And just as it was for me to sleep with her, it was easy for other men to do it as well. They went into her raw. I wasn't going to take a chance. Glad I didn't, because I would not want a woman like her to be the mother of a child of mine. No way. So, fellas, you have to be careful. When they start talking about they are still looking for someone, that someone is not you. And you can't please or satisfy these people because they're looking for something. They're on a perpetual quest. You're not a destination. You're just a stop on the journey. And ladies, men do this too, but you see more of you doing this than men. More in a moment. Let's talk about the toxic male. Now, some of you really like these guys. Some of you can't stand them. Some of you, even though you say you don't like them, you wind up back with them. What is a toxic male? You have toxic masculinity, right? Well, what that primarily comes down to is an aversion of women that despise what men have become because they're clinging on to traditions, norms back from the 1940s and 50s. I'm man, I work, I build, you woman, you become subservient, you stay at the home. Now, we love putting labels on things. What is toxic feminism? Toxic feminism, of course. The woman who's saying, a woman can do everything, we don't need a man for anything, just to procreate, to create another baby, and that's it. We can take care of our own selves. We want to fight for our rights, and that's it. It's more of a political division than anything else, based on gender. Now, the toxic male 
insecure. He's also narcissistic. He's going to always find fault or blame with this woman in order to keep himself in an air of superiority. She's going to always be inferior to him. He's going to be intimidated by her advancements in career, life. She's going to be more independent on making her decisions in her life. And she's going to realize, and this is what's the biggest threat, she doesn't need him as much as he thinks she does. I would like for her to need him. When he's proven wrong, he's going to get upset because that's not the way his narrative goes. He's going to have the last say on everything. He's going to restrict who she's around. He's going to try to isolate her and try to control her. That's the toxic male. Toxic female works in the same way. Isolate, control, manipulate, subjugate. Now, these two personalities are diametrically opposed. However, the interesting thing is, the nexus for both of them is when they get into a heated debate. Debate. Debate, right? And it becomes more of a sensual dance. I have seen this occur where a man and a woman argued to the last letter. She was toxic as a female. He was toxic as a male. They had these extreme views about the genders. The very same man and woman wound up having sex later on and had a child together. Guess what happened? That venom between the two of them subsided for the sake of the child. Some situations lead to that outcome. Others don't. Where they will wind up arguing and spewing the hatred, the disdain, the frustration. And what does it get you? You have some women who like the traditional situation where the man's in charge and the man tells them what to do and all of this stuff. And this has a lot to do with upbringing. It has to do with what they were accustomed to seeing growing up. See, a lot of the women who are against the traditional way men ran the household grew up in households where they saw men abuse their mothers, cheat on their mothers, use their mothers, abuse their mothers. And so they have a different take and they feel as though they have to right that wrong throughout their lives and their relationships and it becomes a commitment. A lot of these men grew up in households where the men ran everything and the wife was passive and quiet. 
and love these guys and saying, hey, that's what I want. And you have some men who grew up with mothers in the household with no dad. And they had no say. And so when they became adults, they got tired of the matriarchy telling them what to do. And so when they become that grown man, they want to assume that power where they can control that woman. So on both sides of the equation, what do you have? A man and a woman who lacked control in their environment in which they lived. And this is why you have many of them knocking heads because of the breakdown of the family that led to this animosity on both sides of the equation. The young man was repressed by his mother. The young woman was repressed by her father. Dysfunction is at the core of it all. That results in these people having this disposition and coming out as vigorous as they do. Now, you look at people who have had environments in which there was mutual respect, love, devotion. What do you have? These are the women and men that don't have to try to prove anything to anyone. They don't have those agendas at the forefront. They don't have that anger. And they're looking for a decent partner. This is the reason why moderates are better stewards of society than extremists. There's a balance. Those people on both edges of the equation don't have that. That's the reason why they're stuck in their views. That's the reason why many of them don't grow. And see, extremists look at moderates as people who can't make up their mind. Instead of looking at them as people who can understand both arguments and still balance out a rational coexistence. This happens politically. This happens in relationships. See, an extremist does not have to be accountable for the things they say, the things they do, because it's based on their belief. Moderates base everything on facts, based everything on what you do, how you react. And they hold you accountable because they're balanced. And that's the advantage they have of extremists. Why don't you think that any and every extremist entity, regime, throughout the world had a visceral extremist group countering look at Afghanistan, you look at Iran, you 
look at many of the countries in Africa. Even look here in the United States. The moderate swing voter that's balanced. They're the people, small segment, about 10 million people that dictate elections every time. Because the majority of Americans are on one extreme view or the other. And it's the moderates that require and establish the balance in who's going to be in power when it comes to those two extremes. But guess what doesn't happen? You rarely, if ever, get a moderate in. And when you do get that moderate, <laughs> guess what? They have to be a semblance of one of the extremes. Clinton was a moderate. Bush was a moderate. But he was influenced by the extremes, just like Clinton was. That's the way it goes. See, the one thing that you have to realize, folks, the less your judgment is colored, the better decisions you can make rationally. This is the reason why, for instance, for myself, I didn't subscribe to religion. Because there was a color, there was a bias. I would have to believe a certain way and then correlate everything that I believe in some sort of way in order to fall in line with that core belief that may not be factual, and a lot of times was not factual. I wanted to have clear and rational reasoning. So when I made decisions, they were based on fact, not based on emotion. And this is hard for people to do when they go into relationships because they let that emotional aspect of it kick in. And now what they wanna do, they wanna get into that relationship and they're hoping that their emotions will carry them. And they'll see some rational problems or behavioral problems with their friend or their partner. And they realize that at some point they can't be balanced anymore. They gotta be more biased. And usually that bias that they have leans toward codependency, patronage in order for the relationship to flow go along to get along and then they find themselves as I've discussed earlier in other podcasts where you've lost your identity you're no longer the person you were going into the relationship you come out of it you don't know who the hell you are and you have these views that you did not have going in And now you got to deprogram yourself from that past relationship to get back to a state of normalcy. Ladies, one thing I will tell you. You think I'm lying about this? I want you to write in your journal. Just get a journal. You just get a notepad. Date it. 
what I want you to do is to date a sheet of paper. Put on there whatever date it is. And then I want you to write how you feel about yourself. How you feel about everything going on in your life. Especially if you are not in a relationship now. Then I want you to write in the second paragraph what you would like in a relationship. And then at the bottom, I want you to put down, currently not in a relationship. Now, after you get into a relationship and you go through it, I want you to go back to the sheet of paper when that relationship ends. And I want you to write how you feel dated the same way. Then write how you feel about yourself and write about what you're looking for by comparison. I guarantee you, many of you will look at that page that you wrote when you first got into that relationship and make the comparison after you got into it and after you've gotten out of it. You're going to see a change in yourself. Not to mention the things that you may write in the interim between between those two points in your life. See, the problem we have in relationships is not that we have to be flexible at certain points and make some changes. The problem comes down when we make so many changes for that other person that we don't know who the hell we are when we get out of it. And we're angry with ourselves because we have changed so much that we bastardized the very person we were before we went in. And some of you may not even know how to get back to that person again. And you keep going forward with many of the fucked up characteristics from that relationship, trying to normalize it in others. And it doesn't work. That's frustrating. You know, when I would talk to a lot of ladies that would come over, I'd meet them at the bar, restaurants, and it was no problem doing that because a lot of times when I saw a woman alone, she'd always be sitting there by herself, having a nice dinner. I'd be at the other table usually by myself. The reason being, I'm hungry, I'm going to get something to eat. It never failed. There would always be at least one, two, maybe even three women eating by themselves. Some of them I see the wedding band on their finger. And many of them would want to start a conversation. And I just let them talk. And it usually would wind up them talking about the marriage or relationship they're in that they're sorry that they got into. Or some of them would be divorcees. And then you find out they didn't know who they were anymore. They would say, you know, I'm trying to figure myself out and I'm not ready for a relationship yet. And I want to date again, but I don't think I'll be able to for a long time because there are a lot of things I got to process. And they would be ashamed even admit it. You tell them, hey, it's okay. You need to talk it out because you didn't get a chance to talk it out in your marriage. A lot of times they didn't. And I couldn't tell my family what was really going on. 
And I'd sit there and listen, sometimes be fascinated by some of the shit they had to go through. The one woman, three of her co-workers got pregnant by her husband. Three. One had a miscarriage, two had the child. She's working with these ladies, not knowing that when they were going out on maternity leave, it was because of her husband. Embarrassed by him. But they're dealing with the humiliation. And the sad thing about it, many of them were painted as the bad guy when he petitioned for divorce. A lot of these women were. Well, I had to leave him. Women used to tell me, oh, my husband used to beat me. I had to leave. Oh, my husband was an alcoholic. I got tired of paying for DUIs, high insurance premiums, court costs, bail. See, as men, we don't talk about those things, not even to other men, because we're embarrassed, we're ashamed. See, the difference is a woman will express herself because she usually doesn't have a voice in relationships a lot of times, or she's not heard. That man wants to repress what's going on with him because He's afraid that other men will shame him. And especially another woman. For him to really talk to a woman and tell him how he feels. That strikes his ego. It makes him look less than a man. And that's one of the advantages that women have over men to externalize that pain. Why do you think you don't see so many women going out doing mass shootings? Why do you think you don't see them going in, getting into confrontations on a regular basis? They can express themselves. As men, a lot of times we wait until it's too late. Wait until we've taken that gun and gone to the workplace and did something horrific that we really shouldn't have done. Because we never had a chance to really vent or talk to someone about our problems. And that's not a good thing. And it's not being a man. That's being someone afraid of their own feelings. We have to quit, guys, we have to quit drinking the Kool-Aid. That Kool-Aid of fear, that Kool-Aid of feeling insecure in your masculinity when you reach out for help. You're doing the world a favor by reaching out for that help when you're in situations where you're afraid. Because you're saving lives, believe it or not. 
even your own. There's nothing so horrific that you can't fix it. I tell women this all the time too. Not fixing necessarily the problem, but fixing you. That's the reason why I have this 800 number on this podcast. For those of you guys who are going through situations and need to talk to somebody. You're not crazy. You're not sick. You're not weak. You're not a punk. You're not feminized. You're not emasculated. As I told you, a man is defined by the decision he makes in regards to himself and others. And the decision to be made is to get help when you need it. Whether it's alcoholism, whatever it is, gambling, evil thoughts, whatever it is. So you can get some help. So you can intervene. And so you can have a better life that you deserve just like everyone else does. You're no less, no more than anyone else. Fuck the shame. Fuck the guilt. It gets you nowhere. Helping yourself in order to get back on your feet. In order to get you back in that right mental space. Where you can go and enjoy life. You deserve that. And having a cultural norm. Or some bullshit social order that you're supposed to just take it and suck it up it's not the answer you gotta vent just like everybody else does and it makes no sense for men to die of heart attacks and to go out and do mass shootings and all the rest of this shit out of frustration and anger But he can sit down, talk it out, emote, get that shit out. And I know people in the manosphere are saying, oh man, he's weak, he's talking that weak shit. No, he's talking that practical shit. To help do things such as thin out the prison population for men going in there for acts they committed because they didn't have a chance to talk to someone and vent and get that shit out of their system or they could go and have an opportunity to work on those problems and work on their mental health in order to get them back in society where they can function again and enjoy their lives and with the lives of their family. This is something that we really need to address. And yet, these very men that say, oh, there's there's some simp shit, there's some this and that. Do you say that to the veterans who came back from Afghanistan who were fucked up in the head? Do you say that to the people who were in Vietnam, like my uncle was, that had to deal with issues? Or some of the guys I served with in the Marine Corps who had issues when they came out, had issues while they were in, 
Some of them stayed in to protect society from them. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. Now we have to understand as men, that woman that you choose to choose to be your woman, one of the criteria should be her being able to support you emotionally when you need it. Because as men, all of you know, we face some shit sometimes that make us quake in our boots. But we know we have to deal with it, whatever it is. Somebody breaks in the house, you tell them to wipe to stay in the room and get the gun, you going downstairs to investigate. You don't know what the fuck you're going to run into. But what you're hoping is that you have a quicker draw than they do. And people don't think about this. People don't think about this. So ladies, that's the difficulty that we deal with as men. So we can't emote to you socially because that perception of us being weak, being feminized. And then you have on top of that, many of these women who exploit that and try to shame men. And you wonder why those women don't wind up with good men. There's a reason being. And some of those men who are abusive, who have issues going on within themselves, seek out women like that to shut them up. Anger begets anger. See, that man that's going for help, who knows what's going on with him mentally, who's going to talk to somebody about his issues, he's going to bring his woman in to understand what's going on with them. And all these veterans who came back from the war, they get that help. So the wife understands it's not a situation where he's alone or he feels that way. See, our society, when it comes down to men, they make us feel isolated. They make us feel worthless. After you've done your task in life, you're just supposed to die off. Many of these men will tell you, a lot of them retire. And what do they tell you? Oh, I got to go get me another job. Because they don't want to feel useless. They don't want to feel worthless. Because what's the first thing a woman asks a man, especially if he's on the dating site? So what do you do for a living? Even when a man says that he's retired, she looks down on him in a certain way. You're worthless. You have no value associated with you from her perspective. But in reality, he has plenty of value. 
Some of you ladies feel this way after you've had your children and you have grandkids. And now grandma is just supposed to be this woman that the kids are dropped off to. Not this woman who has sexual desires and needs. Not this woman who wants to be loved. Not this woman who wants to try to resume a modicum of what she had when she was single. We have to start treating each other better. And we have to cut out the shaming shit. That is not the answer. Being angry and being at extremes is not the answer. At some point, we're going to have to be accountable and responsible for ourselves. And understand that we have to go beyond the scope of the obvious. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.